2: Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/slash spoken today. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to the show, which is brought to you by Levi Solicitors. Get a 10% Square Ball discount on your legal fees, which will increase to 20% if you're in the key worker groups. Go to LeviSolicitors.co.uk forward slash the Square Ball. I'm Dan Moylan. Hello, and I'm joined by Michael Normanson. Hello. And Moscow White, Daniel Chapman. Hello. Hey, listen, our summer special is available to order now. 228 pages of fantastic promotion material. Biggest thing we've ever done. It's so girthy. I can't tell you how much girth it has. Pre-orders have now started landing on people's doormats, possibly injuring small domestic animals. Everyone's wanting one. So much so that we're having to do another print run. And this is going to be the last time we print it. So... Order your copy now as we are deciding how many to print this week. If you uh, ordered one of the all-over print T-shirts as well, they are going to be landing shortly. We had to have them printed, especially abroad, um, but they are now in the country. They've cleared customs, so they will be with you very, very soon. Plenty of Champions merch available too if you head to thesquareball.net. Well, we have fixtures and the Premier League suddenly seems a lot more real. It's a very tough start. We've uh, done a full episode on this over on the Extra Ball. And in that one, we speak about the highlights of the season and give some thoughts on the curtain raiser against Liverpool.
3: That's the slight downside of playing Liverpool on the opening day is it's basically, we, we, we immediately test Bielsa against Klopp. And if he doesn't win, well, fuck then, aren't we?
4: Get Dyson, It will be a discussion. You can guarantee that there will be discussions on TalkSport of Adrian Durham saying, Bielsa's done great things for Leeds, but the experiment's over. You need to be more pragmatic in the Premier League, and it'll still be September the fifteenth, and we'll have played one game.
2: And after that, we set about playing Mr. Chairman and putting all the home games into ticket categories. Liverpool away, then
4: that's all right, isn't it? I mean, not from the point of view of actually getting any points, but it's a good, it's a good, nice, interesting fixture to start with. It'd have been a bit of a letdown. I know they've been relegated, but Moscow used to bring Watford into it. It would have been a letdown if we were like away at Watford first day of the Premier League. It wouldn't, it's, this isn't what we got promoted for, whereas, you know, Liverpool away, that's that's what we came for.
3: That's the thing, looking at the the opening six fixtures we have in front of us, three of these games aren't Premier League matches. Fulham, Sheffield, United, Wolves. I think we should refuse to play them, that the Premier League is not coming up to our standards, not what we expected, not why we waited 16 years for promotion. We could have got relegated to Division 4 and played Fulham, if that's what we wanted. Sheffield United, in the days of Tony Agana and and Brian Dean, it would have been easier to meet them at their level rather than rising to the Premier League and finding them there like unflushable turds. Liverpool, Manchester City and Aston Villa games that I will uh, respect.
2: Hang on a second. You were championing Brian Dean's first ever goal in the Premier League as a good reason for us to play Sheffield United fairly recently, I'm sure. Are you just being a massive hypocrite?
3: Brian Dean is a Premier League footballer. Sheffield United are a fourth division club. It's how they got to the the first division in the first place. Dean and Agana fired them all the way up through the divisions. Without him, they're nothing.
2: Aren't we lucky, though, to be playing a club as special as Liverpool because they're such a special club. I mean, the most special club in the whole country. So unique, so special. It's not just a club, it's the
4: whole city. It's all very special. Moscow's done a bit of delving, trying to find some them talking about us as well and it seems like as much as they might not like us they've missed us a bit and that's nice isn't it they've missed hating us
0: I have written them all down, I've got them here I've separated them into things that could be problematic and probably about 25 of them look problematic to me at the moment and, but, but that doesn't mean I'm not I'm, it doesn't mean I'm concerned anyway because I know how great we are but it is it's a hard start, I mean out of those first 10 games there's Six seven, they, they look quite big, you know, against decent teams. lead to lead to home start. I would have put money on that. That is one of those narrative based things that happens in every season that makes you go, This isn't random, is it? Um, it, it's just it's the res, resumption of an age old rivalry. I, I know how you feel about Leeds. I'm personally, yeah, I, know, I think everybody knows how you feel about Leeds, Neil. Um Especially Leeds I'm sure they will have comments Um, I'm delighted to see them back up Because as I've said a few times i lived there for a few years I've got mates who are huge Leeds fans No, it was great Honest to God, I had a lovely time I'm delighted to get back I miss the water It's weird living in a dip in the middle of England You miss water altogether Uh, But I'm delighted to see them Genuinely, you miss the sea You you don't realise Honestly, it's going to be my first question to Ali McGovern How important is living by the coast? But keep going, Ian Um, You
3: can't live anywhere, It doesn't have a massive body of water next to you. You just It's it's
0: wrong, wrong. isn't it? It's just weird. It is wrong.
2: That's from the Anfield rap. Not quite sure what they're on about because we do have water in Leeds. It is a thing.
3: But it's not the Mersey. I, I mean, they said in there that we should all be familiar with Neil Atkinson, the presenter's views, on leeds I've got no idea. I don't know who these people are. They seem to be Liverpool fans, and if I had any doubt about that, it was confirmed when, within two minutes of uh, of their podcast starting, they appeared to be talking about the fucking River Mersey and the Irish Sea. The the things that struck me apart from the uh, the Mersey chat, and uh, w- we cut it off shortly before they did start. Um, they faded up Jerry and the pacemakers. Was that bit at the start where he says, uh, Ian? I believe his name is hints that some games in the Premier League next season might be difficult, problematic, and then I don't know if he's if he suffers from scousers being unwilling to hear a word said against Klopp's team. But the way he has to backtrack very quickly. Said not that I'm not that I'm saying that you know we, we're going to lose any of these games because I know Liverpool are the greatest team. Just some of them. Might be difficult. There seems like a real fear of even acknowledging that Liverpool might one day uh, lose a game of football, which they did, didn't they? They lost to fucking Watford and Watford is shit. So they can't be that good, Liverpool.
2: We'll say this on um, Neil Atkinson, who they mentioned there. We met him, didn't we, at the, uh, or we saw him in action rather, at the, the Football Supporters Federation Awards. And it might have just been the booze talking, but he likes Liverpool an awful lot. And I think he thinks it's a very special place.
4: I think it, that's Liverpool in general. They seem to like them. They like Liverpool. There's nothing wrong with, by the way. It's good to be proud of your home city. It's just maybe good to allow other people to also be proud of theirs.
2: Bosco, you also found this from the Red Men, which is on YouTube. They aren't shy, though. I think their opinions are fairly clear. Champions versus champions it is a English super cup of sorts um, to kick things off, Legionated. I'm gutted that we're not in the ground for this one. I've fucking eight leads and i would love so much to be able to just boo jean and hiss them because they are another club that we hate and having that reason to be angry in the ground i think is, is an amazing thing
0: it adds an extra bit of spice doesn't it but also it maybe plays into our hands in the fact that they can't have their fans there for you know their first premier league fixture and you know in, in so many years and that, that plays into us last year of course we had norwich as well newly promoted side. It's just interesting as, as to how they, they might set up. And funny enough, I messaged a mate who's a Leeds fan because I was like, Marco Bielsa is a bit of a psychopath, isn't he? But so like, you know, how does he approach this game? Is it like, you know, do you be reserved or like do you be, you know, don't lose on your first game and go forward? But like you said, he's he's a psychopath and he's, he's big on his analysis. So I think, you know, as we speak, Melwood is getting boarded up so we can avoid Spygate round two. But yeah, you know, for an opening fixture. I, I, I think I'd prefer a lead, like, like you said. It's a shame we can't have fans there, but you know, at least it's something extra spicy and excited about because we've got that issue with Leeds. Obviously, Tony Yaboa can't play in this one, so that's an added bonus as well. Like, so it'd be interesting.
3: A couple of things to flag up there. It's good to be back, isn't it? If you do want to buy your uh, Leeds scummar Back t shirts, by the way, the squareball.net, I think you can see why they are necessary. Marco Bielsa, who's he? Psychopath, apparently.
4: Is it the Italian fellow that Peter Shilton was talking about on Sky Sports News a year or two ago?
3: Also, given the uh, the gantry gong doesn't get much use while we're playing behind closed doors, should we consider repurposing it perhaps so we can uh, let it ring out loud and clear whenever somebody brings up a fucking spy gate yet again? What a funny line that is. Oh, yeah, we'll have to stop people from spying on Melwood. Ha, 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 ha. I mean, the main thing they did is uh, is boarded up so the women's team couldn't get in. That was uh, the, the last update I saw from the, the Melwood overhaul, and them to play in uh, in Tranmere and keep them well away from the actual nice pitches.
2: I think um, the official party line in Liverpool, isn't it, is that women are a distraction and are not welcome. That's, I think, what they
3: said. I fucking hate women, but as much as I fucking hate leads,
4: I mean they are right to an extent. Like it is, there's a reason that you know you didn't go digging around Championship team podcasts for, for clips because you knew that they'd hate us, but without any reason. Whereas this is nice. This is good. It's a good thing.
3: There is in the uh, in the clips that I haven't included. There is some sort of more sober discussion of kind of um, how great it is to be playing Leeds United. There is this history, and I think one of them used the term resonance to the fixtures, which I think they, I think I might have said that last week. So I need to stop thinking like a Scouser. But um, there is also then the um, the eyeballs on Stork's madness that this is the opening day fixture to fit the narrative as if there is some kind of Matrix-style control going on behind the scenes that um, is altering Liverpool's fixture lists to to suit storylines that will not necessarily help them. Whereas I would have thought, you know, playing a promoted team at home on the opening day is an absolute gift for uh, the Premier League champions. Psychopath or no psychopath? But they're so special, they should be able to pick their own fixture.
4: Bilser is not a psychopath, by the way.
3: Maybe he meant psychopath. Maybe he's confused about where the uh, Spygate incident happened from. He was standing on a cycle path in the Mersey.
2: Good news, anyway. We've got a kit to wear on the opening day. That's at last. Uh, as we record today on, on Monday, the 24th of August, we've seen cues from the crack of dawn at the Ellen Road Club shop. So people seem to be lapping up the old, the old white Adidas ass number. Uh, what do you make of it?
4: I think it's quite nice. I would have liked a little bit of yellow on it, but generally speaking, it's a nice kit. I look forward to seeing us wear it.
3: It is the absence of yellow that is the the problem. I don't know if they've decided that there's enough on the badge or what, but it just needed that little that little bit. And I kind of had a look through some of my old favourite shirts just to see how they they worked. And it's always, I mean, blue is the predominant kind of contrast colour that we we rely on because it shows up nicely against white but Umbro always had this right where if you looked at their collar you'd have like a thick blue collar and then you just have a thin bit of yellow going through it just enough so it was there whereas Adidas I haven't fucking bothered They're probably too busy polishing their paintings of Franz Beckenbauer in the offices and uh, it's just that little lack of attention i feel has uh, has let it down slightly that and that the, the um, sponsors logo is fucking horrible but it's white, so that's fine.
4: And it's good that the Leeds United Club shop has got a website as as reliable as our own.
2: Unprecedented demand. Same as it was for us. Same as it was for us. With the home kit, my opinion on it, my first thoughts on it, I thought, oh, it's a bit plain, but then actually I realised that's its greatest strength. And I realised in the same kind of way that I liked the Asics one that was like a turtleneck. I mean, they got that collar wrong, but same sort of stylings as that, just nice and minimalist and white. Because it's easy to get a white shirt wrong, as we saw with that, bloody awful tyre track thing up the front that looked like a packet of regal king
4: size. Was that the low point for home shirts? It probably was, wasn't it?
3: Absolutely, 100%. They described it as a retro stripe, but uh, we'd never had a fucking band up the middle of the chest of a shirt. Even when um, Asics, they they had some flack for putting a a blue and yellow hoop around the middle of a shirt and got accused of it looking like a, a, a rugby kit. But at least it was kind of... Um, it was certainly in the background, whereas the, that Macron effort was more like a blue shirt with some bits of white on either side of the chest.
2: And we saw the launch video as well. Some interesting characters in there. Jim White, Lee Sharp.
4: I did kind of start off watching, thinking, why are all these non-leads people on this? And I, I'll be honest, I didn't even realise who Lee Sharp was to begin with. I think it was only when I saw someone mention on Twitter. I watched it through once, then I looked at the comments and someone said, why is Lee Sharp there? I was like, "Was Lee Sharp there? I think I was just watching it on a small screen. I actually thought he looked a bit like James Milner at a first glance.
3: I mean, it was fine, wasn't it? Did the job. Kit launched by numbers, get the video out, get the right faces in, confuse people with Lee Sharp, move on.
2: Can't go far wrong with Lucas at the end though. So uh, yeah, decent job on that one. Um, Preseason. Now, a lot of people are asking what is going on with preseason. We did speak to to Phil Hay over on the Phil Hay Show this last week about this and this is what he had to say.
0: From what I gather, they'll try to arrange around about seven friendlies, um, and the squad will be split over those friendlies. Some players will play in some, some players will, will play in others. They don't have a massive amount of time to pack those games in. And you have to remember as well that they are coming off the back of a, a pretty intense stretch of nine matches, so that the match fitness of the players should already be good. Without any doubt, they need tuned up and there'll be aspects that Bielsa will want to tidy up tactically. I don't expect him to change much, if, if anything particularly, but he'll want everyone to be sharp and he'll want everybody to be on the ball. So they will play games, um, they will be based in the UK and we're, we're just waiting to hear who the, the opposition are going to be. Well, it was good of Stoke City to tell us that we were playing them anyway, even if Leeds haven't.
4: It does seem odd that nothing's really been announced. It's really, really near. The community shield is next week, which seems wrong because it was the Champions League final last night, and we're playing Stoke at some point. But then we're playing Liverpool in a couple of weeks, and it's—I just need it's, some stuff needs to be announced, please. i feel all—I feel all uncertain and don't know where I am.
3: They don't necessarily need to be announced; they just need to happen. That's fine by me, as long as the the games actually happen and the players are, are ready. It's good of Stoke to uh, to step up, though. I don't know what part of their eight um, nil aggregate drubbing last season made them think hmm, you know who we should play this summer let's get Leeds United they always give us a good game
4: probably because Bielsa did that post-game talk that he always does going oh no you're, you're a really good team really good team if we played again you'd probably win and they've gone ah, okay we'll arrange that they won't win
3: they always say that murder ball is a, a more intense session anyway I kind of I quite like the the teetering on arrogant idea that playing against ourselves is a more severe test than playing a pre-season friendly against Stoke City. I'm well into that. Why play against anybody else? We didn't do any uh, any games coming back after lockdown, did we? When the season was restarted, I don't think we... Was there one match? I think there was... Was there a game? Oh, I, there I didn't some think there we like, oh, we. I've got this vague memory that we might have played somebody, but maybe we, we didn't play anybody at all. Just went with Leeds on Leeds. And that was um, all the preparation we needed.
2: I think you might be right. I think we might have played a behind-closed-doors game.
3: Everton rings a bell, but I don't know if I'm imagining it. But, I mean, we've got a squad full of Premier League players anyway, so just why play against nonsense from elsewhere?
2: Alfie McCalmont is extending his stay. He's one of those Premier League players now. New four-year deal for him, which is uh, which is good news in terms of uh, bringing through the under-23s with a lot of concentration on that area, something we'll talk about in a bit. Not such good news for David Hague, though. He could be going to jail
3: if he doesn't open his mouth. It's his wallet he needs to open, isn't it? His bank accounts.
4: He's done nothing wrong, he says. Still done nothing wrong. He's not going to explain anything, because why should he? But he's definitely done nothing wrong, because he says so. And if if people think he should have to provide evidence to prove that, then, well, it just goes to show, doesn't it, the sort of people you're dealing with.
3: That is an amazing summary of David Haig's actual legal arguments, as have been submitted over the last... Several years uh, younger listeners may not know who David Haig is, and I uh I envy them.
4: Yeah, he was kind of when GFH took over the club post Kem Bates, he was the he, well, him and Patel were kind of the figureheads, weren't they? At Leeds, he then was what was he sacked, then imprisoned, sacked, then went to Dubai, then was imprisoned.
3: He was managing director, and remember, he tried to buy the club off GFH, and they decided to sell it to who you know the company he worked for. But they decided to sell it to Massimo Cellino instead, and um, he left. He he uh, he I can't remember the um, the Mad Friday run of things. He certainly he he lost his job that night. Whether he resigned or or left, but then came back the next day as everybody came back the next day.
4: I'm pretty sure he resigned on principle, then realized he needed a job, so I went out. Oh, actually, no.
3: And he went to Dubai to discuss a uh, future employment with with Gfh they presented him with some questions about sums totaling more than two million pounds and then several other millions in other currencies that he appeared to have. They appeared to be in accounts that he controlled when they shouldn't have been. And he went to jail and has been angry about it ever since, fighting to clear his name with absolutely no evidence <laughs> to... Uh, to support it uh, whatsoever the, one of the key example uh, key parts of the latest judgment so he's he's continually appealing he served his his prison sentence but now GFH want their money back the explanation he always gave was that he had a two pronged defense one that he didn't forge the invoices that then were paid into accounts that he ultimately turned out to control but also that he was owed that money anyway Therefore, he should be allowed to keep it. And sort of the the fact that those two accounts, uh, those two amounts, sorry, absolutely tallied didn't actually help his case. I I think in the the way he he meant to, he said, I have absolutely no idea how these invoices for the exact sum of money I claim to be owed by GFH were falsely raised and the money ended up in my account. But now it's happened. Why can't I just keep that money?
4: All's well, that ends well. Look, everything turns out everything's worked out right. Who knows who's maybe someone's put a i don't know a bank assault code in wrong or something and all the money's ended up in my account but you know when I was owed it that's fine these things happen sometimes, and I think we should all just call it quits right
3: and it's worth pointing out as well three separate accounts um, from memory so it wasn't like one sum of money went to the wrong account um three separate payments went to different accounts and they all turned out to be what a coincidence David has uh, the sort codes for them all and then the other uh, I think it's about his um, his treatment in in prison and uh, the psychological trauma that he he suffered there as well as the physical abuse which his own sister now is uh, giving evidence against him claims that he had internet access all the time he was in jail and he had a butler and said he was basically being very well treated the um, the courts he's he's saying that he's not been able to to properly put his case the reason he can't put all this evidence forward is because whenever they hold a hearing they keep scheduling these hearings while he is in hospital um, having uh, treatment for the, the problems has, uh, that have arisen from, from being thrown in jail unfairly. And I can recall reading in one of the previous judgments, they laid out the timeline where they, uh, they sent him, uh, they instructed him to appear in court on, I think, the 10th of October. He didn't turn up and submitted evidence to say that he went into hospital on the 9th of October. Therefore, how could he have, uh, have attended and why did they schedule this hearing while he was in hospital? And I think the it was quite easy to work out that he'd perhaps taken himself into hospital um, or at least out of sight on a date when he knew he was supposed to be defending himself in a, in a courtroom. It keeps going on this i mean david haig does say that he's planning to appeal against it um he's willing to challenge the decision in the european Court of human rights and i've been following this off and on when i can be bothered to take an interest for how long has it been six years um and that's i mean we're not even taking into account all the absolute madness um involved with him uh allegedly falsely claiming to represent um an imprisoned princess
4: have you seen tangled by the way
3: <laughs> oh God, I mean, I'd-
4: Mr Justice Henshaw is having has got no time for his shit though basically is, is the summary but there is in particular no evidence of any kind let alone independent evidence that Mr Hague was actually in receipt of treatment during the time of which the present hearing has taken place I've already expressed the reasons for my conclusion that the true reason for Mr Hague's non-participation in this hearing has been his deliberate choice not to do so
2: Tell you what we've come a long way in eight years haven't we thank God they are nothing to do with us anymore and we are now in possession of a trophy and speaking of that trophy you can now go get your photo taken for 20 quid now michael you and i were lucky enough when we went to speak to angus kinnear to get our hands on that and we were able to both kiss it and probably infested it with our germs
3: i mean there is a pandemic on You absolute disgraces Well, that's probably why Le- Leeds United haven't signed anybody because they spent all the money on cleaning fluid to get your filth off the trophy
4: well, we had, a, we had a nice relationship with that trophy. These people, £20, no touching. I don't know who in the Leeds commercial department has ever come across anything like that before, but um, let's see, it'll make money for him anyway.
2: So how do you manage the intensity of playing under Marcelo Bielsa? Working out the answer to that question will be assisted by the work this year of Stat Sports, who are taking over the analysis at Ellen Road this season. Phil Hay is talking to them this week for The Athletic with one eye on player load. So how much can they actually take? We'll get more on that on the Phil Hayes Show later on this week, the podcast we do for The Athletic as part of our partnership with them. No ads and no clickbait stories there, just great coverage of Fleet United, the Premier League and the wider sporting world. There is a 40% square ball discount you can use when you sign up for The Athletic if you go to the following place, theathletic.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Also this week, look out for Phil's bit on the work of the under 23s who've been particularly busy in the recruitment department this summer. And speaking of which, Another one that we've seen in is Danny van der Heuvel, who's coming from Ajax, and he knows his apples when it comes to Leeds anyway.
4: We mentioned David Haig earlier, and he's, he's already, in his very first Instagram post as a Leeds player, done a better job than David Haig uh, did when he was actually running the club. Side before self every time is how he's finished it. And yes, Danny, that is correct. Well done.
3: Are we concerned that he spells his first name the same way as Danny Bear?
0: Nope.
4: Could
2: be Danny Bear's son? we should probably explain who Danny Bear is for the slightly younger listener who won't be familiar with late night channel four TV from 20 years ago, perhaps, but uh, Danny Bear was a host on an assortment of of programs. And if you want to Google her remarkable transformation, actually, no, she's over in, um, I think it's like in LA now. And I I, don't want to be disparaging about it, but it's quite clear that she's had quite a lot of work done and in no way resembles the person that we remember from the telly 20 years back. It's, it's absolute madness.
4: She probably wanted to shed that old image, having, Uh, Had a relationship with Ryan Giggs.
2: Yeah, fair point. On to Sam Greenwood then, another under-23 sign-in. It looks like um, an 18-year-old kid from Arsenal. Comes with a big reputation and uh, a fee of about 1.5 million up front, rising to three by the looks of it. So um, he certainly comes with a good Twitter montage anyway. I mean, everybody loves a good video montage. It seems to be the method by which we assess all sign-ins these days. So,
4: uh, good one. It fits my own criteria for a striker perfectly. Lots and lots of very, very hard kicking into a goal. Both feet as well. Penalties, free kicks on there. His penalties are absolutely unbelievable. I don't know if he's missed a load as well and he's just put the good ones on there, which is is what I'd do in fairness. But unstoppable penalties. Linked with Juventus and AC Milan and now we're signing him. Strange. I'm not quite sure why Arsenal are not keeping him, but we'll have him, I suppose.
3: It's all about your pathways to the first team, isn't it? They'll they'll be giving Eddie Nketiah their number nine shirt for the next 20 years. Sam Greenwood can come and get out from uh, under that bushland, fight with Pat Bamford for it. Although, you know, Bamford saw off Ankhetia, so he'll have to do well to get into the team past that beast.
2: Ben White, looks like this one is now dead in the water. That third bid of 25 million has been turned down, and they're now uh, reporting saying, Look, Brighton just will not sell to us at any price. And Leeds basically saying, Right, yeah, we've, we've moved on, done with that now.
3: Never heard of him. Ben, who?
4: I think he was our was he, our, he was our third best centre back last year after Cooper and Berardi,
3: wasn't he? Statistically, we were much tighter at the back with Berardi in the team, and I think that would probably be the case even if Berardi has to play in a leg brace. Maybe like you know when a dog has an injured leg and they put it on wheels. We'll have Berardi on wheels at the back, and he will still be a better defender than Ben White. <laughs>
2: the backlash has started. I love it. Oh bless him! I would have loved to have signed him. And do you know what? It's for me. I don't know about what you think, but. This one isn't dead until he signs a new contract. Obviously, if he signs a new contract down there, it is, it's dead in the water. But maybe he waits to see what's going to happen in the early part of the season and where he does actually fit in and whether he feels like he's developing there. Because you feel like the only way this situation changes is if he drops a transfer request. And there doesn't seem to be any noise coming out of of that end to suggest that that's
4: likely to be the outcome now. I think it's not dead because... Brighton still don't actually know what to do with him. They just want him because we want him. So they're keeping hold of him because he's theirs, which is, a, I suppose, a fair enough stance to take. But is he going to play ahead of Dunk, who obviously was linked with Chelsea, He's just signed a new deal? They've got Duffy, they've got Veltman, they've got Webster. There's too many defenders for him to get past. And I think they're probably just going to try and send him back out on loan to like Fleetwood or somewhere just to punish him so we can't have him.
3: That is their justification, is that they, they consider us to be a rival for relegation, apparently. So they don't want to strengthen our defence because that way we, we might finish above them at the bottom of the table. So one way to solve this, I mean, the transfer window's open until start of October, isn't it? So there's like a, a month of play before that shuts. If by uh, the last day of the transfer window, we're top of the league and Brighton are bottom, as I think is very likely, just buy them then because the, their argument then will be blown out of the water.
2: Yeah, it's hardly the the great sell for Ben White, is it? Look, we want to keep you here because we expect them to struggle. We're probably going to be in a similar position. So there's actually a lot now. That's what you've got to make do with, child.
3: And the problem he'll have is that when there is a, a future transfer on the table, and I was saying, saying last week that I'd be happy to pick him up for a, an absolute song when he's mincing about in their reserves having a terrible time, we'll have Robin Cock. And Bielsa, it seems, wants him. He wants one defender and and not more. So once we've got Cock at the back, there is no room for Gentle Ben to come anywhere near us anymore. So he'll be stuck in Brighton. It's Ben White I feel sorry for in all this. He clearly doesn't want to play for Brighton. Brighton aren't going to play him. They're going to, He's going to waste a year down there and probably end up at Liverpool winning the Champions League. And it's not a future anybody wanted for him.
4: I mean, speaking of Brighton, like they're going into their fourth season now in the Premier League and they're still panicking about us being a relegation rival does he want to be there just finishing just looking where they finish 15th 17th 15th why bother we've been there in the championship finishing finishing 15th and it's a waste of time you might as well just shut the club down until you've got a better idea
3: I'd love having uh, seeing him have the conversation with Graham Potter about the the plans for the coming season, the eager little Ben who's just come, you know, he's got his his championship medal in his hand and he's just had the best season of his uh, life with the the nicest people he's ever met, the most fun he's he's ever had and said, so what are we saying, boss? You're going gonna to play me and we're going to go for the UEFA Cup? No, I'm going to leave you in the reserves and I'm going to try not to get relegated. Welcome back to Brighton. Poor
2: kid. Cock it looks like then. An absolute headline writer's dream. I mean, every time I end up exchanging messages with anybody on like WhatsApp or via text or whatever. It just descends into childish, puerile puns about his surname.
4: The club seem fairly confident about this one, I think, don't they? It seems to be fairly widely known that we're after him. He seems quite good. I mean, he played in a game that they won 8-1 the other day, so if he can do that for for Freiburg against um, the football legends of uh, Dawn Byrne. Yep, Dawn Byrne.
3: Wasn't she in a Carla Lane comedy, Dawn Byrne?
4: Again, another
2: one for the kids. The problem with cock is now that he would have to self-isolate for 14 days under the quarantine rules. So cock blocked would be the headline there, presumably.
4: Does that apply to footballers? I thought footballers were exempt from every rule. I mean, when you look at the life and times of Jack Grealish uh,
2: in recent months, then yes, pretty much.
4: Just say sorry after you've done it. I think
2: that makes it all
3: right. He could um, take over in jail from Harry Maguire, couldn't he? With imprisoning defenders over the, the course of the summer. That's a plan.
2: Ryan Kent is the one that's taking up a lot of the noise at the minute. Uh, we were interested in him last summer, but the money that we would have spent on him was sort of. It seemed to be ba- we only basically had the money to do one, and in the end, we went for Eddie and Kettier on loan instead of signing Ryan Kent. Which, with hindsight, <laughs> yeah, you know, might have not been the the best idea. Seems like that's got legs.
3: We w- we won the league. It was fine. Eddie and Kettier was a fine player in our championship-winning season. Who is this Ryan Kent? What's he ever done? Did they win the league last season? No.
2: He scored three and five in the SPL, whatever that is. Um he's done some goals there.
4: Stephen Gerard sounded vaguely threatening about this because we have made an offer that they've rejected, but um, um we very quickly rejected the opening bid. There was nowhere near his um valuation. Um, we want the player aim um, to see him as as do um, the board. The the fans love him. Um and um leads will need to respect that. Um, they need to really think hard if they want to come again. That sounds that vaguely threatening.
3: I don't know what the the repercussions will be if we submit another transfer inquiry.
4: You fucking think about this, lad. It, it,
3: we have, and it's a it's a it's a bigger bid than last time.
4: Oh well, I'll bet it fucking is. <laughs> I will
2: say this, you know. I went searching for Ryan Kent's name, uh just to sort of test the temperature really amongst the Rangers fans. And Wow, I, I kinda got sucked into this vortex of Celtic versus Rangers Twitter. That's a that's a frightful place. You think our lot are absolutely mad Christ. Um when you've got a direct rival and there's that much enmity as there is between those two. Bloody hell. How many death threats? None that I found, because it was generally centered around Ryan Kent and I ended up just kind of going down, you know, on tangents from that point. But um The Rangers lot seem to be a little bit mystified as to why he would want to leave the SPL and come to England with its highest profile league in the world to work with one of the greatest coaches in the world. It seems to be a little bit beyond some of their wits to understand why you might want to do that.
4: Don't get me wrong, Rangers are, in their own way, a massive club. And when you're playing at Ibrox, I'm sure it's a really good place to play and it's a great atmosphere, it's a really amazing old stadium and stuff. But then the week after, you have to go to Clydebank or somewhere and then it's not quite so good.
2: Sounds like there's a release clause in there, anyway. So it's getting to the stage now, isn't it? It's uh, it's get it done time. Get in there, meet the release clause, or as near as damn it, get him out of there. Get him signed. Get some players signed. Sign everybody.
3: Bielsa has been after him for this is his second summer pursuing him. So he must have some highfalutin ideas of either what he can do or or what he can become. And reading about him, it sounds like he can he can do several things. Up front, which is um, part of the appeal. The thing is, if we do sign Kent and he can play as it's being that he can play out wide, he can play as a number 10, and he can even potentially play as a striker. Those are two other players that we're not going to need to sign because Bielster would just say, well, bueno, he does everything. And I'm, I'm not sure where the, the fan base really is on this at the moment. Do we want to sign? One player for three positions, or would we feel better about signing three players for three positions just for the the sheer security of the thing?
2: I suspect that Kent would be a sort of a, a Pablo, not replacement, but um, in that kind of mould, you know, play the number ten and potentially out wide as well. I, st- I still think we'll go for a striker on top of that, and one that's been mooted is Ollie Watkins. Not much to add on this apart from Phil Hay saying. He's continuing to interest us, but other names that have been in the hat, a lot of noise with uh, Rodrigo, the guy who was at Valencia, a uh, 29-year-old Spanish striker. Doesn't necessarily fit the Bielsa mold in that he's, he's pushing 30 and sounds like he'd be an awful lot of money.
4: He's got a confusing backstory as, as this guy because I must admit, I didn't know a great deal about him. Then I looked him up and I was like, played for Bolton and scored one goal for Bolton in 17 appearances. He sounds absolutely terrible. We don't want this person. Uh, but then he's apparently done quite well. At Benfica and Valencia. He's also got some weird ownership thing going on because he was, when he was at Benfica, he was technically owned by Peter Lim via Meriton Capital. Uh, Peter Lim is the guy who now owns Valencia and is also co owner of Salford alongside the the scum 92 people. So he bought the player and made him go on loan to Valencia before he'd bought Valencia to kind of show that he meant business. It's all very odd. I don't know if he's still owned by him. I don't feel comfortable having a, uh, having a man owned by someone else playing for us. Is this human trafficking we're getting into? I'm sure that's what Bielsa would be accused of.
3: The upside is that he's scored eight goals for Spain, which is quite a good record. I think um, getting into the rounds where we're signing players who have played a lot of international matches and scored a fair few international goals, even if we don't sign him, it's, you know, it's nice to be linked to him. I'd heard of him, so that's good.
2: The Nicolas Gonzalez trail from Stuttgart has gone cold. They've spoken out, haven't they? Their sporting director saying it was serious at one point, but it never quite got down to to brass tacks that one. And uh, Divock Origi, linked from Liverpool again, paper talk. I mean, some of this sounds like it needs to now go into internet bollocks.
4: I was putting it together, and it's so there's so many links now to different people. I can't. I, I don't know which what lines there are. I feel like th- there needs to be some sort of Venn diagram for like definite internet bollocks and. Almost certainly happening, and then there's most of this stuff probably goes into the middle. The only one that I did, I felt confident was a guy called Rafael Liao, who's at AC Milan. And the reason I felt confident that was internet bollocks was that the headline was Leeds taking advantage of Zlatan's new contract to snap up this 21 year old ace would be brilliant. Also, it's on Football Insider and Media Referee, which I think is a very trustworthy source.
3: It couldn't be clearer, really. I mean, that headline tells the entire story uh, from the start to finish. I've also been enjoying the Rob Holding. Links which have been popping up as uh, Leeds told they can sign Rob Holding, which is, I'm pretty sure that's true of anybody. There's nobody out there. I mean, obviously, Brighton are saying we cannot sign Ben White. So the headline maybe should be Leeds told they can sign any player except Ben White. That probably sums up a lot of the speculation.
2: And if we do get Rob Holding from Arsenal, there is a very real chance we could have Holding Cock at the back who could then pass forward to Cook which could baffle many a commentator, Lewis Cook specifically. There are links back to him which will set hearts a-fluttering in West Yorkshire.
4: £15 million pounds apparently, and Danny Mills has had something to say about it. So does that mean it automatically goes into internet bollocks if Danny Mills has commented on it?
3: Danny Mills also has commented that we uh, he wanted to see... I've completely forgotten his name. Who's that England goalkeeper who's gone to Spurs? The one that doesn't play? Joe Hart. He, he wanted to see Joe Hart. Um, at Leeds and he said he he reckons he's got six more years of football in him
4: is that Joe Hart who was released from Man City because he couldn't play well enough with his feet
3: yes but Danny Mills wants to see him at Leeds so I don't know why Marcelo Bielsa just doesn't give him that six year contract now
4: I'd have Lewis Cook I've no idea if this is true or not but I'd have him back I liked him a lot at the time
3: he's a good player he's fine but injuries are the worry he's probably in his best interests to have a really good season with Bournemouth isn't it he can get them to, uh, what we think, third in the championship and then lose in the playoffs. And then if he looks good and fit, we can maybe sign him next summer.
2: The other ex-player that was linked was Ronaldo Vieira, strangely enough, with rumours of us, Spurs and Leicester all looking at him, reported over in Italy this one. I mean, do, do we want to file this one as internet bollocks? Because it said we were scouting him. You would think we'd have a pretty good idea of what Ronaldo Vieira was like, wouldn't you?
4: I mean, he might have developed, but no longer a teenager, though, so his, his song doesn't fit anymore, so I think maybe we should we should leave this one.
2: One we might like to be true was Leon Bailey, Jamaican lad, who's uh, Leverkusen, 23 years old. He's a winger. Sounds all right?
4: And it sounded particularly good, because when it, this I was filing this initially not under internet bollocks, because it came from a blue tick man on Twitter who I'd never heard of before, called Manu Lonjon, uh, inventor of the thermal uh, under trouser. But Bailey was like incredibly well-rated, and a few people on Twitter who sort of know about German football were saying he'd be an unbelievable signing. they can't believe we'd get him, et cetera, et cetera. €30 million euros being touted as the price. So I looked up Manu Lonjon on Twitter and across Google just to see what he's been tipping before, and he's full of shit, fortunately. He not long ago tweeted that the Newcastle takeover was done. Um, I found this thing for 2019. He was saying Mario Lamina to Hampton to Wolves was a done deal. That never happened. In 2018, we were apparently about to sign someone called Fares Baloui. Never heard of him either, on loan from Lille, that we obviously know that didn't happen. Brandon Soppy, moved from Ren to Celtic, was about to go through. He's, he's still there. Medi Benatia is set for a move to Arsenal this week, apparently, and that was in 2016. 2018, Chelsea reached an agreement with John Michael Seri. He signed for Fulham. 2018, West Ham are in the final stages of negotiations for Harold Mukindi um, and... Not at West Ham either. So there was, genuinely, I could find one. No, there was the Fernandes to Manu one, which was, I found was being reported absolutely everywhere at the same time. And William Saliba to Arsenal. He got that one right. So he seems to have got two things right ever.
3: So are we signing Leon Bailey?
4: Who knows? Who knows? We might be signing Emmanuel Dennis, though, who's a striker from Club Bruges, linked to lots of big clubs, and linked to us by, um, you'll never guess, Manu.
3: Oh, is he struck again?
4: Yeah, and we're also linked with Maxwell Cornet, who's a Leon forward, who's been playing in the Champions League for them. Can you guess where we were linked?
3: An ice cream fan.
4: Uh, Manu. Manu's been at it. Oh. He's, been at the, he's been at the Cornets as well. So Manu Lonjon has come into our lives this week and just throwing names without anyone else really reporting them. So ignore him. It would be my advice until he can prove himself to be correct on at least something.
2: And yet still more reliable than Football Insider.
4: Well, they can then report. I'm sure they're reporting what he's reporting. And then he can probably report what they're reporting. And it can go around in a circle. It's crap. the Premier League for this. It didn't happen as much in the championship, did it? That you'd have to deal with quite so many ridiculous rumors. But, but here we are. I enjoy it, really.
1: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot.
4: Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical
1: costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.
2: It's all over. The booze baton, the Jean Kevin August stick. We now know where our promotion parties are going to be. A quick explanation on this, then, if you are new to this, it was the idea of Eden J. Harris, who's on Twitter, our mate Garden. We started the season hosting the party destination in Leeds. Once Stoke beaters in the League Cup, it passed to them and changed hands from there in the same way. Liverpool ended up with it, so we opted to split it in two when they lost in the Champions League to Atletico Madrid. Southampton ended up with the domestic version, that's the booze baton party, that is locked in for the South Coast. What could possibly go wrong there? The European version passed through several hands and was ultimately renamed, rechristened the Jean-Kevin Augustic when it went to um, RB Leipzig. I mean, just to, to chart the journey of this thing, it did start off with Bristol City versus Leeds, but eventually came down to the biggest game in club football in the world, the Champions League final. And, well, we know about the outcome from that, don't we? Bayern Munich won um, Paris Saint-Germain nil, which means we will be celebrating our promotion in Munich.
4: Again, what could possibly go wrong? You know, I watched that game and it wasn't mentioned once in the commentary. The uh, John Kevin stick. they were just talking about winning the Champions League. Pathetic. I'm looking forward to this though. I think um, we can go and we can—I mean—we'll talk about it off uh, off the podcast probably. But we'll, we'll be aiming to break into the Bayern Stadium and reclaim the European Cup from them. It'll be there now at least. We know they'll at least have probably the current one there, so we will take that. Track it right back to Ellen Road, and I don't see that anyone will have a problem with that
2: and rip one of those stars off their shirt. Worth saying, though, that Munich is a fine, fine city. I went there two years ago with my mates, drank a lot of beer, so can attest that the beer is good, and the um, the beer kellers are good as well, where they drink the beer, funnily enough. That's why they're named like that.
4: Oh, is that it? Is that it, right?
2: That's okay. where it comes from.
4: In looking at this, because obviously we can't do anything with Bayern Munich, because they're scum, but 1860 Munich, you might remember, Dan, we played in a Champions League qualifier, rather than the actual Champions League proper, They've managed to really lead it up even more than us. They've been down in the fourth tier. And I, I'd actually assumed they were still sharing the Alliance Arena with Bayern. But nope, they're out of there. And they're back in the, uh, the Grunwalder Stadium, which is where we played them. Which is a better stadium anyway, let's face it.
2: We're proud to have a Leeds company supporting us on the podcast. They have branches across the country as well. And Levi solicitors will give you 10% off your legal fees for being a listener to this podcast They've got a full range of legal services for both people and businesses. They deal with property matters, employment issues, wills and probate, all that sort of stuff. That's just a proportion of the stuff that they do. Full details available on their website. Use our landing page and get your 10% off. And if you're a key worker, that will rise to 20%. All the information you need is at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. The good and the bad. Who's made a smile? Who's let us down across the last week? Heroes and Villains. First we pick our villain in the Ken Bates Villainy Award and the custom for this particular feature is that Ken Bates or a Ken Bates from around the world will get the opening
4: nomination. Wyoming Ken, we've covered in previous weeks that he's going to stand again for election and he's through to the final. I think it's done like X Factor over there, this kind of like primaries and a pre-election thing and he's made it through to the final ballot. So in, he's going to be going up in Ward 2 against Kyle Gamroth, Uh, Lisa Engbritson and Edis Allen. Now, I'm I'm backing Gamroth. I don't know about you two. Should we get behind Gamroth? Can we make donations to Gamroth's campaign? Let's try and get Kenneth out of there.
3: He does sound the most like a character from a Dungeons & Dragons game.
4: Exactly my reasoning for it.
3: There is a full Middle-Earth vibe to that, without a
4: doubt. Sadly, Quinn Snow lost in their bid to get on the final ticket, which I'd quite like to back Quinn Snow as well, because that's another fine name. But uh, it's going to be Ken. I think Ken was... I think he came third in this kind of early, the first round of it. So he's he's on the ropes a bit, as Ken. I think he wanting to murder cats and drag children to poisonous swimming pools is maybe going to count against him, but we'll see.
3: Again, I mean, lest we, we get accused of interfering in foreign elections by spreading misinformation, he wanted to starve cats, not murder them. So, you know, we are talking about a, an electoral process in a sovereign Nation, so let's let's be careful about how we're proceeding with where we're throwing things like murdering cats around
2: these three are not going to have it but this should be considered a slap across the wrists brian dean gordon strachan and tony de for starring in that paddy power advert don't do it just consider this a warning
4: okay yeah it wasn't very good was it and very obvious
3: Dino looked so happy. When he t- puts the binoculars down and he looks straight at the camera and he just smiles, you can sort of, there's an expression on his face like, look, I know I shouldn't be here and this advert's going to be terrible, but it's me. It's like, ten, right.
4: 10 grand, eh?
3: <laughs> well, no, I think he just wants to, you know, say hello. Like, he's just smiling at the camera, like, hiya, it's me, it's Dino. Good to see you. And he, he's like that. He has that sort of relationship with all these um, old clubs on social media whenever they're like, Sheffield United have a good resort. He'll tweet about that and Borough and Benfica and Leicester. And he's always like, happy to, happy to see that, that uh, the old Leicester got a win at the weekend. And he wasn't at Leicester long, but their fans are always like, thanks, mate. That's nice of you. And I feel like his entire involvement in the uh, in that charade of an advert was just, oh, yeah, all right. It'd be nice nice to just go on camera and grin.
2: On to more worthy candidates then now. Um, Neil Warnock.
4: I mean, I don't know if you two I added his name to the list, but. I didn't really, I'm going to ask you two questions now, but there's no real need. Guess where Borough are going for pre-season? Cornwall. Correct. Guess who he's trying to sign?
3: Paddy Kenny?
4: Not Paddy. I think all the Sheffield United boys are are beyond retirement age now. They're they're probably all like pushing 45, 50 50 stones, something like that. Um, No, I think more recent. Who's been a recent favourite of his?
3: Paddy Kenny? (laughs) Is it, is it, oh, is it Big Sol?
4: Big soul, of course it is.
3: I genuinely that's not bad for a second guess. I I didn't know he'd been up to anything until he put this on there, but the, the, Soul Bamber got into that weird situation where he was um he was crediting Neil Warnock with giving him sound financial advice, wasn't he? And now he's he's following him to Middlesbrough. Hmm.
4: He's thirty five now, is Bamber. I'm sure I'm sure Neil will, when he talks about signed sound financial advice, if you let me bring you to Middlesbrough. I can do you a four year deal. I can do you a four year deal though. It won't be a problem.
3: Hey, I mean, Sol, though, is, uh, is like a son to me, that lad. And uh, anything I can do for him, it's it's, uh, it's never too much trouble. i uh, has uh, got to get him a house in Cornwall and we'll fly up together. It's going to be lovely. He'll be, he'll be my captain because uh, the, the squad that I found at Middlesbrough, no leaders. So I need I need Big Sol in there to uh, to sort them out really because they're a, they're a set of bastards. Can't wait to see them again though. Preseason's going to be yeah uh, going to be so good.
4: You won't believe the chairman up here, Sol. He's absolutely clueless. He, he's he's had he's had Steve McLaren paying him a fortune. We, we've we've made it, lads. We've made it.
3: Are the uh, the good people of Cornwall desperate to keep tourists and sightseers sort of at bay to prevent gatherings? spreading the coronavirus and then he's rocking up with a load of people from fucking Middlesbrough a plane full down there for one of his famous barbecues better be socially distant that's all I'm saying
2: let's move on and give the uh, the joyless bastards at the FA a nomination for charging us for having a bit of fun with some uh, some flares inside the stadium smoke bomb sorry um, when we played derby blah 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 club failed to blah 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 we hate fun blah blah charge
4: they're just bitter, aren't they, about something.
3: I did enjoy the immediate tweets in response to this that showed a picture of a, a West Brom player on their pitch with a pyrotechnic in their hand celebrating promotion. No FA charge for them, funnily enough. And if you did want to take it to an extreme level, I seem to remember watching the celebrations at, at Anfield and Ellen Road as well. I mean, there were plenty of fireworks on the fucking pitch. It's, it's one rule for the FA when they want to have fireworks so we can go on Sky and look good. But then when matches click wants to quite innocently brandish a smoke bomb with causing no trouble to anybody, suddenly uh, there's a rule.
4: You tell Berardi he's not allowed pyrotechnics, I would be keeping a close eye on things if I was them.
3: It's a failure to ensure our players and our officials conducted themselves in an orderly fashion. We won the fucking league.
4: It's got Lampard all over it, isn't it?
3: I don't know how much better we could have conducted ourselves apart from dominating the league from start to finish and winning it by a mile.
2: I'm sure we'll hear plenty more from them in the coming months and years because they seem to like us, don't they? Another set of joyless bastards, Brighton and Hove Albion, not letting us have Ben White, which seems a bit mean.
4: As part of their top secret plan to not allow anyone else to prosper, they were playing Portsmouth. This has been reported on Twitter. They're playing Portsmouth at Brighton today no media allowed in and Portsmouth themselves are not allowed to report what happens because Brighton don't want them to. So presumably they don't want the world to know that they're playing eight centre-backs and have got some new ball method of staying in the Premier League forever.
2: Or that Ben White has been relegated to Waterboy or whatever. Another one of our ex-players has been doing naughty things. Moscow, you found this one.
3: Bailey Peacock-Farrell has got a new contract for doing nothing apart from growing his hair. As far as I can can tell fair enough if if, uh, Burnley want to give him a pay rise for doing zero since he uh, transferred there, but there is no reason um, I can see for Bailey Peacock Farrell to be pictured in pre-season training, wearing an Alice band because his hair has grown so long. This, I know we, we had our problems with them. Liverpudlians earlier, and I feel that like before we're nominated as villains we should probably get in ourselves a, uh, an apology to the listeners who tune into this podcast, hoping to hear good solid Yorkshire accents and had quite an assault of Scouse earlier. But this is what living near Manchester does for you, because I mean, Bailey Peacock-Fowley won't be hanging around in Burnley, because why would you? But he's clearly having his hair cut on Dean's Gate, or not cut as seems to be the problem, styled. And, you know, I've I've nothing against longer hair, or Stylish haircuts—it's fine, but you, Bailey Peacock Farrell, don't wear long hair with an Alice band.
4: You're not Ian Walker.
3: This is it. He's was he wasn't even born when Ian Walker was was doing this? It's um, it's it's a retro '90s goalkeeper look that I feel you have to at least have a game for the first team to be able to go near. It's not what anybody wants to see in football. Bailey Peacock Farrell with an Alice band.
4: Ian Walker didn't even bother with an Alice band, did he? he just had like a, a kilo of lard smeared through it so it would it, so it would stick to his scalp
3: I mean this is the big risk with this hairstyle that he's rocking I've not been able to find any trace of how it's looking when it's not restrained we need to speak about Barry Douglas don't we though <laughs> Barry Douglas looks great and, as I, and he actually plays football from time to time
2: the chap with the long johns what was his name Manu are we giving him a nomination
4: Manu Long John yeah just stop it mate what are you doing I know you've got a twitch account and stuff you're trying to and get people to watch, but it's not making stuff up. It's not nice. It's adding loads of time to my prep sheet trying to work out all this bullshit you're making up. Reports when it actually happens.
3: Now Who else needs to stop it? Marcelo Bielsa. Stop being a Robin cock.
4: I, th- I was assuming you were going to be nominating Dermot O'Leary here for being a grass. For the benefit of anybody
2: who's not familiar with this story, this is the uh, the one that went viral across the last few days of a chap who, it appears, stole some, uh, some goods from TV personality Dermot O'Leary. Uh, and looked a lot like Marcelo Bielsa. I mean, when I say a lot, a lot, when you look at grainy CCTV footage.
3: It's not even that grainy. That's actually quite a clear picture. And it's a picture of Marcelo Bielsa, which is the big problem.
4: He's not wearing Adidas or Leeds United training gear, so it isn't. He is. It's an Adidas t-shirt. Is it? Yes. Yeah. Oh, shit. Okay, I didn't realise that. Yeah, maybe it is him. Just it's delete even, this section.
3: It's even down to the uh, the expression. On his face, he, he's got the words bueno just on his lips as he as he steals Dermot O'Leary's wedding ring. <laughs> yeah, so I'm a little bit worried about that. I mean, it's probably a good job that he hasn't signed this contract because trying to get out of it while he's in fucking jail would be a, a different matter. But um, yeah, don't do this, Marcelo. Marco. I know that the Scousers think Marco is a, is a psychopath, but um, Dermot O'Leary, D- 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 O'Leary is an all right fellow, isn't he? Don't want to nick his, a wedding ring from the guy. Should we pick a villain then? I mean I'm tempted to give it straight to BPF, but that's just my own prejudices. Or oh, the FA, just for being miseries. Yeah, the FA for being hypocritical miseries. Not Brighton, and they're enhanced secrecy, even though they've got absolutely nothing worth seeing.
2: No, we don't want to validate them, do we? Let's give it to the FA. Let's punch upwards rather than downwards. Agreed. Onto the Andy Hughes Hero Award then. People who've done good stuff for us. Matthias Click, nomination number one. Is he the coolest player we've ever
4: had? Might well be, you know. What a thing to do. I- I'd like to know if he proposed it because I think he probably did because he maybe just thought like... Or maybe he just we he said before he likes the illegal stuff. Maybe he just went down and did it. Just thought, fuck it. What are we going to do? Play for the club. the can sack me.
2: It is a nice thing to do and the symbolism of it is great that you can walk down there and think it represents a great time but also it was done by our central midfielder. It's cool, isn't it? Is what it is. It's just very, very cool. Michael, if you were putting, I don't know, the words of Ken Bates out there. How do you think he'd react to something like this?
4: I see. This is Rob Mitchell's fault. I can see it on the prep sheet now. Him reacting to uh, to the Ken's graffiti, to today's graffiti. Oh, okay.
2: Should add that Rob was the guy who tweeted us suggesting that um, we should get some Ken reaction to this. Because you, you will remember that Ken doesn't like people doing naughty things around Ellen Road. and um, Once suggested he would, was it clamped down on I think he meant vigilantes, but he said villageantes.
1: We've all seen it. They're the doodles. That the, the, the Polak is done on the ball. Oh, I want this scruffy beard. He's written, well, champions on it. Champions of what? They're facing private property. Which, um, from beard care. You can ask somebody else. He it, didn't get to any all my my combustible cladding. That would have been a perfect canvas for someone to spray paint on, apart from the, um, apart from the Right, you burst into flames. Well, I've been in taxes with this the police. they said because it's not my property. It's of my business. But I said I don't, I don't, know it. I don't, I don't know who owns Leeds United. There should have been a nightclub there, but it's because um, it was, uh, it's Gary Cooper and David Conn. So I'm glad I didn't. Or message Matthew would which turned it into um, a a a a jungle establishment. We wonder how hotel guests would be paying a premium for I'm just glad I've not been able to see it. I'm in Monaco. We punish this sort of thing with a death penalty.
2: And don't forget, had Ken's dream come true, we would be looking at a nightclub in that corner of the ground, perhaps about now, instead of some
4: graffiti that said champions. Wouldn't that have been great? A nightclub as a probably a League One football ground.
3: But if we were continuing the theme of Matches click, basically being either volunteering or being ordered to do odd jobs around Ellen Road. It does raise the, the prospect that we would have been staffing that nightclub with, with players, which probably gives it a new interest. I'd go, I'd go to a nightclub if I thought that Johnny Alioski was behind the bar.
4: Well, we saw him DJing at the uh, players' end of season do, didn't we? So he there could you do go. it.
3: He, he could DJ. Barry Douglas could be behind the, the bar, maybe. Pat Bamford, glass collector. I'm into it. I think I want to see more of, of this. The the new floodlights are supposed to be going up soon. So I want to see the crane operated by Luke Ayling. The bone-idle footballers, and I think um, filling up their afternoons with odd jobs around Elland Road, keeping the place clean, it's all part of um, Marcelo Bielsa's litter-collecting uh, training session now upgraded to sort of light manual labour.
4: Watching Berardi throw people out of the, of the place by their throat would have been a... Worth seeing as well.
3: Door enforcer, clearly. I, um, mentioned for
2: Sampdoria as well, because it was Berardi's birthday, and they put out that video of him essentially just smashing the shit out of people and getting books a lot, which was glorious viewing, wasn't it? Also good viewing was um, the video of Slavon Bilic, who was saying some really nice things about Bielsa. Game knows game, seems to be the kind of, uh, the feeling that's come out of that one.
3: Yeah, his point is that you can't copy him. Um, you can't copy any of the top managers, Klopp, Conte, Pep Guardiola, or bielsa he says uh, it's crazy to say that you'll go and watch bielsa do some coaching and next year we will coach the same Uh, you will not that's why he is el loco that's why i love him the most he is a true gentleman a true gentleman and that's it the respect he gives to others well he is bielsa good i want to hear uh this is what I was expecting to hear when everybody was saying, oh, Sir Alex Ferguson makes big speech praising Marcelo Bielsa at the uh, um, League Managers Award, when, in, in fact, that was just uh, uh, Howard Wilkinson's replacement won summer at Leeds, great.
4: This they should have forced... That's an interesting <laughs>
3: Scottish accent. Should have forced this out of Ferguson's mouth and that I might have been interested, but instead I'll take it from uh, Slav Bilic, who were... Uh, Uh, continues to impress as a human.
4: He's right, though, as well, because all the the stuff around Spygate when you had Dean Saunders kind of saying, we do all that, and Frank Lampard saying, we do all that. Yeah, but you don't know, dear, because you can't, because you're not the same person. And I'm pretty sure Kevin Blackwell was like the most qualified coach in the world, wasn't he, when he was here?
3: And didn't he like to tell us about it?
4: He'd been everywhere, hadn't he? Been to South Africa, been to Juventus, been across the globe watching training sessions, and the thing I've concluded is that Robbie Blake is a winger.
2: Hang on a second, I think you must have something wrong here because what you've just said there, Michael, has just reminded me that uh, Klopp, Conte, Pep and Bielsa. Did somebody forget to put the word Lampard in that? Has it been accidentally deleted or something?
4: Village well, doesn't know the code.
2: Uh, we need to give some love to Kamar Roth, uh, Rangers, who scored his first goal for them, and to... Is Roth or Roffe. Well, I mean, I wouldn't like to say.
3: I think it's Rofe. Roll on the floor, laughing. And then something beginning with E afterwards.
4: It is an exceptional spelling mistake.
3: I mean, we may mock. Uh, We do need to preemptively mention Lucas Radaby uh, running out for his debut with Redaby written on the back of his shirt at Leeds and on the left wing or the right wing from uh, the wing anyway, where he shouldn't have been. Kevin Blackwell would have been proud of Howard Wilkinson that night and probably would have praised the kit man for doing a bang-up job.
4: I feel like switching of vowels is more forgivable though. somehow.
3: I mean, he's quite clearly his name is Roof, and that doesn't say Roof. So it's quite a big mistake. There's there's a pronunciation is, issue with uh, Lucas's shirt. You know, Radabe, Radebe, Nobody's really sure how it should be said. So you know, if it was if it was done out loud, just put on the shirt. There's a mistake. But the guy's name is Kemar Roof, and I'm glad I got it right there because I did spend the three or four years he was at Leeds calling him Kemar, which was not his name. We're, I probably am as guilty as the the person who ironed that on his shirt. Sorry, Kemar. Tell Ryan Kent to come to Leeds
2: special mention for the greek police and i guess by extension the greek criminal justice system which
4: seems to be dealing very effectively with violent british tourists at the minute so good work we should have probably put a, a nomination in for the the british press actually some of whom seem to be treating harry Maguire as if he's like nelson mandela or something that he's been horribly banged up and that he's, he must be released because he's he's like england's brave john terry all over again
3: it's bobby moore that that jewelry, isn't it it's happening again
4: who's your hero of the week Clique. Got to be.
3: Yeah, no objections.
2: Yeah, none from me. Well done, Matthias Click, And get over to the extra ball then for our uh, full analysis of the fixtures for the Premier League. We did that one this week. You say analysis. In the very loosest sense of the word. We actually spend a lot of time going back through 90s sticker books, don't we?
3: It's easier to listen to than any of that Scouse rubbish we had earlier.
2: And if you fancy checking out the uh, the summer special, the Champions special, you can grab that on our website. There are links there to the merchandise with T shirts, mugs, prints, everything you need if you want to carry on binging on promotion. It's at the squareball.net. We'll catch you next time. See you in a bit. Bye bye.
1: The Square Ball Podcast. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.